Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. My name is Roger Zatwebembide, the director of the Africa Centers for Apologetics Research, a ministry that equips God's people for the defense of the Christian faith, for biblical discernment, and for cult evangelism. We have been looking at a series entitled, Can Believers Be Deceived? With the goal of helping you to understand the extent of the danger that the Church of Christ finds itself in today, and hopefully to take you to the scriptures and show you the danger of deception, the intent and the extent of this danger, what you can do about it, and especially how you can protect your loved ones from being led captive to the errors that characterize our age. I would like to draw your attention today to Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. I will be reading from chapter 11. I will be reading verses 3 and 4, and then jumping to 13 and 15, Note that other verses in between are not important, but because these particular verses highlight the topic at hand, can believers be deceived? Is it possible that you could be a Christian having received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, and yet be led into error, end up joining a cultic church, or becoming a cultist or a cultic pastor or leader? Is it even possible? Now I know when I say this, the first impression for you listening is to say, come on, who, who would do that? How can you be a believer and then still become a cultist or a worker for Satan? Impossible. But as you open the scriptures, surprise, surprise, you will find that not only is it possible, but it is already happening. And the scriptures not only help you to see that, but they tell you what you can do to stay free of deception, to help those entrapped in it to be free of the same. Now listen to what the Apostle Paul writes as he writes his second letter to the Corinthians. From chapter 11, and we read from verses 3 and 4, and then jump to 13 and 15. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. And then from verse 13 and 15 he says, that for such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. For it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. But remember, their end will correspond to their deeds, says the Apostle Paul. Now, take a moment and reflect on what we have just read. The Apostle Paul is writing to a church at Corinth, and when we talk about church, the assumption is that this is a church of believers, otherwise they wouldn't have even been in the church or part of this church. So clearly we are talking about men and women at Corinth, 
that have embraced Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. They have acknowledged that they are sinners and they will be destroyed eternally apart from the saving grace of God in Christ Jesus. Not only have they submitted to Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord, but they have joined the fellowship of believers at the church at Corinth, where they are daily being instructed into the doctrines of their Christian faith and growing in Christ. When the Apostle Paul opened his letter in chapter 1, he addressed them as saints in Christ Jesus, men and women who have been set apart for holy living unto God. Now what is surprising is that the same apostle who calls them saints in the opening of the book, in chapter 11, he says, I am afraid for you. I am afraid for you that you are going to be deceived. I am afraid for you that just like what happened to Eve in the Garden of Eden, it is going to happen to you. I am afraid that you who at one time were devoted to Christ Jesus, you who were fully and truly submitted to Jesus, are about to drift away from your devotion to him into other teachings that look like they are for Jesus, but they really are not. These Corinthian brothers had a sincere and pure devotion in Christ. The Apostle Paul could say that confidently. But he would say that in the same breath as saying, I am afraid, I am concerned, I am astonished, I am worried about what is going to happen to you. And if you look carefully in these verses, basically, if I can summarize it for you, the Apostle Paul is saying that these people, Corinthian members, are believers, they are Christians. But he is saying they are about to embrace false teachings. And the reason they are about to embrace false teachings is because they lack discernment. How do I come to that conclusion? Listen to what he said to them in verses 4. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus, if you receive a different spirit, if you accept a different gospel. So the Apostle Paul is saying that there is something called another Jesus. There is something called a different spirit, and there is something called a different gospel. They are still gospels, but different. They are spirits, but different. They are gospels, but others from those that are revealed in the scriptures. So the Apostle Paul paints a picture where truth is in combat engagement with error. That while the Bible presents a biblical gospel by a spirit from God, and a Jesus, as we find in the scriptures, there are other preachers that are preaching a different gospel a different, by a different spirit and proclaiming another Jesus. Now, the problem is not that false teachers are there. Please note, Paul's problem is not that there is another Jesus or another gospel or another spirit. Paul's problem is that the Corinthian brothers are not able to detect these counterfeits. That while these things come in, the Corinthian believers receive them jubilantly, enthusiastically, passionately. They receive them as though they were actually the true teaching of scripture, even though from the Apostle Paul's remark, we know clearly that they are not. In other words, the problem of the Corinthian believers is a lack of biblical discernment. They are not able to tell the difference between truth and error. 
They are not able to tell the Jesus of the Bible and the one being paraded by men on TV, on radio, on mass crusades, by these huge mass rallies and fellowships that we have in Kampala today or in any other parts in Africa, that when they listen to preachers who are preaching a gospel or who claim to be under the influence of the Spirit or who claim to be representing Jesus, they are not able to differentiate what they are hearing from what scripture is teaching. And the apostle Paul says, I am afraid. I am concerned. If you do not have discernment, you will be deceived and you will fall away from your devotion. I hope you understand where we are going, my brothers and sisters. The apostle Paul is saying that discernment is a key thing that every believer who seeks to grow in Christ Jesus must have and develop in. That when believers do not know the truth of God's word well enough, when they cannot differentiate it between anything else they are hearing, they are easily led into captivity, they are easily deceived. Every believer must develop biblical discernment, the ability to tell what they are hearing, to bring it under the searchlight of scripture, and be sure that it is consistent with what the word of God is saying. When Corinthian believers don't discern, they will be deceived and they will move away from their devotion to Christ. And the Apostle Paul is saying, I am afraid. Like Eve was deceived. Take a moment, for instance. Think about back to Genesis chapter 3. The story of the serpent in the garden. How was Eve deceived? What we have in the garden is not an angry serpent coming and saying, My name is the devil Lucifer, and by the way, I am an enemy of God. Eve, do you know that God does not like you? What we have here is not an angry devil trying to pit God against Eve. Many times we think that false teachers are those who deny God or who hate Jesus or who talk ill or bad against the Bible and its teachings. But friends, that is not how false teachings quite often manifests itself. What we have in the Garden of Eden, for instance, is a friendly conversation. Here is a woman in the garden that God has given her and her husband. Nothing wrong with that. She is surveying and taking care of the garden as God had mandated them to do. Nothing wrong with that until this serpent comes in and begins a conversation. And his conversation begins by casting doubt on the truth that Eve believed. Eve's problem eventually is not because she ate of the fruit of the tree that was forbidden. Eve's problem eventually is that she doubted God. What Satan does is to ask her questions that cause her to start questioning her faith and the truth of what God had already told her. Did God really say, the devil says, the serpent poses before Eve, did God really say, the key word there being really, in other words he's saying, Eve, are you sure you heard God well? Are you sure God is telling you the truth? And if God is really saying the truth, Eve, are you sure you heard him well? Could it be that when God said you shall not touch that tree, maybe he only meant that you can only eat the fruit if it falls by itself? Could it be that he's saying, well, you may not touch it in the morning, but in the evening it's okay? 
So the devil provides other alternative ways of understanding God's word. And in so doing, he distorts God's word, he twists God's word, he misinterprets God's word, and misapplies God's word. And before Eve knows it, she's doing exactly what God told her not to do. Not only does the devil distort God's word, but he causes Eve to doubt God's benevolence towards her. While God had created Eve and Adam and given them everything any man, any man could ever need, Satan comes and says, Do you know that God has not given you all there is? He's a good God, by the way. He has given you the garden wonderful. He's created you great. He, you can even worship him, sure. But do you know that there is a secret God has not told you? Do you know the reason he doesn't want you to eat that fruit? Because if you eat it, you will know the difference. You will know the truth of evil and good, and you will become like God. In other words, Satan is saying, Eve, why would you want to settle for second hand if you could have the real deal? Why would you want to be a creature if you can actually be the creator? Why would you want to be just a mere human being if you can become like God? And guess what? Do you know how to become like God? Defy what he has told you. Do the opposite. He comes in in a friendly way, in a caring way. He communicates well. He illustrates his points. He provides alternatives for Eve. And Eve begins to say, wow, this is deep. This is a great revelation that I had not known before. This is a wonderful insight that has been revealed to me by an angel from on high. What he does not know is that while the devil is not blatantly denying God's word, he is deliberately yet indirectly distorting God's word. And what Eve end, ends with is not God's word as it had been delivered to her, but, but Satan is commentary on God's word, which is a distortion. And the Apostle Paul is saying that is how false teachers come. They come like they have the same message, but when actually it is slightly twisted and disagrees or distorts the scriptures. Notice how he described false apostles in verses 13 and 15. The Apostle Paul is saying that for such men, number one, are false apostles. Number two, they are deceitful workers. Number three, they disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. They do not come introducing themselves as agents of Satan. Please note this. They do not come saying, well, for us, we do not believe in Jesus or in Christianity. No. They actually come saying, we are apostles of Christ. We are messengers of Christ. But remember how Paul has described them? They disguise. Now, what does it mean to disguise? To look like something that you are not. On the outside, in their way of communication, they look like they are genuine, like they care about Christ. They are so passionate. They are so fervent in prayer. They are so loud in their singing. They preach with vigor and strength. They are running around. They claim revelations and visions to the extent everyone is saying, Wow, finally we have the man of the hour, the prophet of the Most High. The grace of God is upon him. There is no one like him in our generation. Surely he is our father in the faith. Before you go that far, are you sure you have read Paul's descriptions of these apostles? 
that while they may claim to be apostles of Christ, they are what? They are false. They are deceitful. They disguise themselves. And when they do this, by the way, it's not a new revelation. The apostle Paul is saying, they are just walking in the footsteps of their father, Satan. Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. And Paul says it's not a surprise if such men look like they are servants of righteousness when actually they are not. They will preach a Jesus, but distort him. Either they will agree that he is God, but deny his humanity. Or they will call him a good human being, but deny that he was God. And any Jesus who is less than God or who is less than human is not the Jesus of the Bible and ultimately cannot save you. If a group is teaching you that Jesus was Michael the archangel, clearly that is not the Jesus of the Bible. If a certain church is teaching you that Jesus was the elder brother of Lucifer, the spirit brother of Lucifer, clearly that Jesus is not the Jesus as revealed in the Bible. If someone is telling you that Jesus is the Father and at the same time the Spirit and at the same time the Son, that it depends on when he manifests himself, clearly that teaching is not the teaching of Scripture. The Bible tells us that Jesus is God the Son. He does not manifest himself as the Father and the Holy Spirit and the Son in different modes, but he is one of the persons of the Godhead. Is it possible that somebody can preach Jesus but a different one? The Apostle Paul says yes. Is it possible somebody can preach the gospel but a gospel that has no roots in scripture? Yes. Can it sound like scripture? Yes. Can it quote biblical verses? Sure. But is it teaching faithfully the teachings of scripture? No. And we have churches today. We have fellowships today. We have individuals today who are teaching different gospels. Like today we live an era of the gospel of what has come to be called hyper grace. Where preachers are teaching you that because of the grace of God, you are saved forever and eternally. And whatever you do from now on does not really matter. So you can fornicate, you can steal, you can kill. And when you have done those, don't worry. Just remind yourself that the grace of God is sufficient. After all, Jesus died for your sins for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And therefore, even the sins you have not yet committed, Jesus has already catered for them. Which indeed is true according to scripture. But because Jesus died for your sins, does not give you a license to continue sinning. What is the reason for which Jesus died? That he may make us right with God. That we may be set apart as holy and acceptable before God. That we may no longer live for ourselves and the desires of this sinful world, but for Jesus who died and rose again. That we may now say no to everything ungodly, to everything unrighteous, and say yes to righteousness and godliness because of the enablement of God's grace. God's grace leads into holiness, not to licentiousness, not to covetousness, not to secularism, not to the desires of the sinful flesh. Beware of those gospels that do not proclaim repentance, for instance. Beware of those gospels that do not emphasize the need for the forgiveness of sins. Beware of those churches that will teach God's love and God's gifts and God's miracles at the expense of Calvary's cross where God's own begotten son died. Apart from the pain and the death of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Christ is not complete. And we are having those gospels in our churches, on TVs, in mass rallies and fellowships. And the Apostle Paul says, be careful. 
For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And he says we must be very careful of those. He warns the Corinthian believers that unless they are discerning, unless they are able to tell the difference between these men and those who truly preach the gospel, they will be led astray, they will be deceived, their devotion will be compromised, they will not def defend their faith, and therefore he calls them not only to be aware that danger has come, but to grow in their understanding of the scriptures. That believers grounded in God's truth, believers growing in God's grace, such believers will exercise biblical discernment. And when they are discerning, they will be able to differentiate between true preachers and false preachers, between true gospels and false gospels, between different spirits that masquerade as the spirit of God, but in reality are not. And because of that discernment, they are able not only to say no to every ungodliness, but they are able to make a convincing case for their faith, as well as being able to rescue their loved ones who are about to, lead into, to be led into error. Again, you will notice that this call for discernment and warning is not just one that we find in Second Corinthians by the Apostle Paul, but this warning is given in several other parts of Scripture, including in the Gospels, especially where Jesus warns his disciples. In Matthew 24, verse 4, he says, See to it that no one leads you astray. And he gives it as a solemn warning, as a heartfelt warning, that believers will experience times not only of error, but of terror from deceptive preachers and speakers. And Jesus says, you will do well to be discerning so that you are not led into error. In Matthew 7, verse 15, he says, watch out, watch out for false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. They look like they are good, like they are gentle, like they are humble, like they are innocent. But they are, Jesus says inwardly, they are like ferocious, ravenous wolves looking for somebody to devour. And what is Jesus' answer to the deception of his day? He says, watch out. Another word we could use for the meaning of discernment. Be observant. Be watchful. Be diligent. Examine the, the whatever you hear. Through the lenses of scripture, every teaching, whether from your pastor or from the TV or from the radio, bring it under the scrutiny of the scriptures before you receive it, so that knowing what is true, you may not only differentiate it from what is in error, but you may stand firm and fight for the faith that has once for all been delivered to the saints. What can believers today do to avoid the challenge or the danger of deception? We have said they must be discerning. But for you to be discerning, you must be grounded in truth. If you do not know what is true, how can you know what is not? Someone has said that the best way to determine a counterfeit is if you know what the genuine one looks like. That if you cannot, learn, you cannot know what is soft unless you have touched something hard. So for you to be able to know what is false, you need to know what is true first and foremost. Do you know what you believe, brothers and sisters? Do you know who Jesus is and what he has done for you? Can you stand up and give a case or give reasons for your faith? 
Can you easily and able communicate what you believe when you find yourself in the midst of those who oppose your beliefs as a Christian? If you stand firm in the truth of God's word, if you are able to discern between truth and error, you will be able to defend your faith in Christ and you will be able to remain devoted to the cause of Christ and to his teaching for the glory of God. May the Lord abundantly bless you. May the Lord keep you growing and yearning for more of his truth. May the Lord give you the courage, the confidence, the, the compassion you need to reach out to people who are caught up in deceptive teachings, to love the ones who are already victims of false pastors and teachers, that lovingly and yet truthfully you may help them to see the error of their ways, that they may come to the knowledge of the truth, the only truth that sets captives free. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.